0: Welcome to episode 77 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Brian Levin.
1: And I'm Bryn Jackson. This episode, we sat down with Drew Wilson. You know him from a lot of things, so we'll just let him talk about it. Before we do,
0: we are in New York this time, tomorrow night. Tomorrow. Today. Tonight. We're flying out tonight. We're getting to New York Thursday, November 12th at 7.50 in the morning. And if you do the math, that means we're leaving Wednesday night from San Francisco. Right after we record here. It's going to be fun. We're going to be rested up, though, for Friday night. We are doing a live recording. There will be limited tickets. uh, Hopefully, at this point, there are details on our Twitter page. But if not, follow us on Twitter at DesignDetailsFM for information about that event. If you want to meet up in New York, before we get into episode 77 two sponsors we wanna thank for bringing this episode to your ears. First, One Month, they are back. If you have an idea for a product, an app, and you don't have the skills to build and grow it yourself, go to month.com slash design details. What is One Month? It is the first ever online school specifically for tech entrepreneurs. It is where you can learn how to build and grow real world products like Instagram and Pinterest using actual tools to build it, like GitHub, Heroku, Optimizely, Mixpanel, and a ton of other things. It's not about getting a degree. It's not about passing a course. It's about actually applying learning to building real products. In 28 to 31 days. In one month, yes. It's gonna have an immediate impact on your career wherever you are in the learning process. Uh, If you're trying to build a company, it's going to help you actually ship products. You don't have to waste years or months in a classroom going through courses. It's a one-month... Oh, I see what they did there. It's a one-month program to help you build things. So what are some certain skills? Uh, They're going to teach you things like iOS development with Swift, HTML and CSS, content marketing, Ruby on Rails, Python, jQuery, and more. Lots of other stuff. Uh, And if you get stuck, they have a community of people that will help you out to make sure you're actually building and growing real people. There is no reason not to do this if you are trying to start a company or build a product. To learn more, go to onemonth.com slash design details. That link gets you 25% off your first month. So use it. That tells them that we sent you and we'll hopefully have them sponsoring the show again soon. Thank you once again to One Month.
1: Our second sponsor, as always, Dropbox. Dropbox is the best way to work together with other people on any product you want, on any project you want, with any kind of files you want, wherever you want. For designers, it follows you through the entire process. Like your sketching, your coding, your prototyping. It handles all of that. It works with any kind of file. You're free to use whatever tools you want for any project. And when you're ready for feedback, you can send files to people really fast. Get comments in line on the file themselves, not like somewhere else in like a different tool. It's No, it's just on the file. It's the simplest way to work the way you want. No reason to futz around with other projects. Just use the thing you have. Use the file. Don't worry about where else it is. Go check them out. Dropbox.com. Thank you once again to Dropbox for sponsoring the show. can't thank them enough. And with that, let's get into episode 77 with Drew Wilson.
2: Hey, everyone. My name is Drew Wilson. I'm a designer, developer, dad, and all around regular human. And I'm now living in Sausalito. This is literally my fourth day in the San Francisco Valley, or actually city area area bay area and um you're bay adjacent yes bay adjacent i make things (laughs) for a living usually software i started down the road of making an iphone case a long time ago and i used to make movies used to work at a surf film company have a movie on netflix what is it it's called walking water don't watch it it's really boring
0: yo pull this (laughs) pull this up pull this up He's uh he's hey, really aggressively selling this. Hey Siri, find me movies made by Drew Wilson. <laughs>
1: Will it say that I'm what, not even kidding. What it? role did you fill? <laughs> did you make it yourself? Was it, I was, were a, you a director?
2: I was the art director, and so I did all the motion graphics and um all the art for you it. And like no, 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 no.
0: You've done so many things. Can you just like walk me through? Yeah, it was the entire an, timeline, a, everything you've ever made. Not <laughs> not like a crazy detail, but like honestly, like why did you get started doing all this, and like what's the What's the process been like to now? That's so many questions. Holy
2: shit! (laughs) Just walk
1: me through your life. (laughs) Let's start when I was five. Uh, That's where your life starts. Is it five? (laughs) We figured it out. He's a clone. Yes,
2: I have no (laughs) memories before that. No, Um, I got started. I got started in design really early on. I was a crafty kid. You know, I could make crafts and stuff like that. I used to make stuff to sell at garage sales.
0: So you were a businessman as well? Man,
2: I was. Uh, my, <laughs> first, my first... Uh, That's your businessman
1: voice. <laughs> yeah. My, the first thing I did... Also similar to his
0: designer voice. <laughs> the first thing
2: I did uh, like, as a business, other than selling things at garage sales, was I baked muffins. And I took them down to the local hair salon and I put them in a basket and I sold them for 10 cents each. And so I would just drive it, have my mom drive it down there. I'd drop them off
1: and then, uh,
2: <laughs> stop laughing, it's serious. It's real business. I
0: made money. But uh, how, how
1: much did the muffin mix cost? I don't know.
2: I used my parents' agreements. <laughs> great. I was nine years old. Um, and so, so I would drop off thief. a basket. I would drop off a basket, and the little old lady thought it was cute, and and they would sell them for me. So,
0: well, they would sell your muffins. For well, you. I mean, you know, it'd
2: be
1: at the counter where people would pay to get their hair cut, mm. and then they could buy one if they mm-hmm. wanted to. Mm-hmm.
0: He wasn't. He wasn't a thief. He was just taking venture capital from your. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah, looks like we've come full circle. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you really jumped to the end of there. And what are you working on today? <laughs> So
1: fast
2: forward 7,000 years.
1: Uh, no. So then, um, start at
2: five and at 7,005. <laughs> We've got a problem here. being crafty and all that kind of jazz, making necklaces and, um, shirts and stuff. Uh, I also did art. So I did like, um, traditional art, even through high school, I did, um, paintings, contour crayons, other things like that. But my dad has been in the comic world all my life seriously yeah man that's awesome yeah so he had the first ever mail order catalog for comics. So you could get a catalog in the mail printed and you could look through all the comics and you could send in. So his customers were a huge variety. So um, Mark Hamill's his customer, even Harrison Ford, Steven Spielberg, George Lucas, all these people were his customers. And it was so killer for us to ship them these catalogs. We could get to put the label on, oh man, I got George Lucas right here. <laughs> and then my brothers be like, oh man, I got Steven Spielberg
1: over here. And so you got all of Star Wars and all of Indiana Jones. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. And a bunch of, like Nick Cage is one of his biggest customers, Nicholas Cage, in case you don't realize what I mean. <laughs> He's making uh, the Nick Cage face. Uh, but anyways, um, so that was fun. So I grew up, with comics and i grew up in that and with the three stooges and all that kind of stuff and i was homeschooled all my life up until ninth grade which is insane to go from being homeschooled in a small town not seeing any of the humans to suddenly small town where uh washington state so i was in castle rock washington and then we moved to my parents got divorced to vancouver washington and i went to a, a high school that had more people in it than castle rock <laughs> so oh, it was crazy um but anyhow anyhow my dad, the way he'd make the catalog is he'd do paste up, right? So he'd take photos of the um, comics, get them printed. He'd cut out the comic out of the photo, and he'd paste it up with glue on a piece of paper. And then he'd print out, uh, typewriter out, um, like the, the words you want to say underneath the little picture of the comic. And he'd paste that on there, page by page. And then you take that to the local, paste news, up is ridiculous. local newspaper company. And they would, you know, other than the newspapers, they do private jobs too. And so they would run, they would run the catalogs and they'd all be printed on newspaper. And so that's how we did it. And then this thing called Photoshop came out and uh, he hopped on that thing early and he always had had Macs. We never had a PC in the house. So I grew up on Macs. And so I started using Photoshop when it was version two, started messing around. And then um, there wasn't really huge into it. Uh, I ended up making my first website when I was 13 in 1996. And, um, and then the idea of, of merging Photoshop and the web came about just from the fact that like, oh, I want to make, you know, this little photo look this way. Or I want to make my background image look this way, you know? And then I remember I saw Microsoft's website and they had their header and, and a sidebar on the left. And right where the two met, instead of it just being, you know, like a rectangle on a rectangle, like everything was back then, there was a a curve that connected the header and the footer. So kind of like rounded into it. I'm like, oh my gosh, how did they make a rounded corner? Like what? And that's when I like, like one of the first times I've used viewed source and tried to figure out how they do it. And so then I started, I had like an angel, was it called? Angel. Angel fire. Angel fire website. I had a GeoCities website. And that's when I first started making web pages. And I bought this um, program for Mac called HTML Metal. 4.0, 4.0, and basically it's a series of CDs, and you put them in your computer, and it's basically just code snippets oh, of how to, how to do this, how to do that. Like literally code snippets, you copy
0: and paste. On four CDs. Yeah. Jesus.
2: So <laughs> that that's how I kind of got started, and it wasn't until 2002 that I got into actual development, like back in, and I started with PHP. Why? Um, Wait, what, why? Why, I why man? Because I wanted to make this one website, and I didn't know anybody who made websites other than myself, and I didn't know how I would get this done. Didn't have any money, so I was like, "No, well, just I gotta learn learn to code, I guess." Which is something that I always tell myself I never would do, because I was always an artist and I never want to touch nerdy code, you know. And <laughs> Gross then, nerds! Oh my gosh! <laughs> and then, uh, and it, as as it turns out, I very, very much enjoy it. I mean, not for other people, but for myself, I very much enjoy writing systems and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So now, what I do is I make products. I come with ideas and just get them out there. I I was fortunate enough early on well not really early on so see I was making like I made my first piece of software launched it in 2009 but I started it in 2007 it was called Fireft. it was a CMS client side CMS so that means everything was in JavaScript as a matter of fact I built a CSS interface for the database so you could access the database with CSS not writing any JavaScript or anything like that it, was pretty, was it' called it's called fire it's still up there i have a commercial because i was big into movies and i made a commercial for it and everything you got to watch the commercial at some point it's so good link in the show notes <laughs> <laughs> yeah but anyways i made. i remember i made that commercial and people uh commented on the the video like what the heck why do you have a commercial for software you know like and it's only 2008 2009 i'm like well who cares And they're like, this is stupid. You know, that kind of stuff is what I got from the commercial. But I like the commercial. Um, It was fun to make. But um, anyhow, so I made that and that went nowhere. And that was like two years of my life staying up all night multiple times per week uh, luckily at the time, I didn't have kids, but I pretty much drove my finances into the ground because uh, I wasn't doing any client work at the time. was selling off my furniture. I used to have a wedding photography business, so I sold off of my lenses and my cameras. But then at the same time, I decided to make this thing called Quixly, which is a digital delivery service. And there wasn't any out there at the time other than like e-junkie that I could find. And so this is 2009. So I made Quixly with a buddy and he ended up leaving as soon as we launched, like literally as soon as we launched. Um, and so it was just me. And I also kind of built it to sell these icons that I've been working on, you know, with cli- as I did client work, I would occasionally need to make an icon or two. So I decided, to, I was like, oh, I'm just going to build a whole set of icons and sell them. And so I looked around and see who else was doing it. There's this one called Helveticons. Helveticons is $249 and you get like 60 icons. And then there was Glyphish, which is probably the original and Glyphish was free. So I'm like, Like nobody else selling icons, like I have no idea how much to charge. Like I want to make money, so I'm like 249 dollars. That seems insane. So I struggled for a while with like how much I would charge. I was like, fine, just like 29 dollars, I guess. So I put it out there, like literally overnight, just like bloated it up, and everyone was buying them. And suddenly, my situation completely changed. And then I had a bunch of money to do whatever I wanted with. And So I was like, this is not going to last. Icons are a consumable good. Like you can't, it's not sustainable. And also there's only so many designers. So I was like, I just got to do as much as I can and milk this for all it's worth. And so I put all my money back into making things and that idea and that kind of like habit of just making as many things as possible because I could, and I knew this would only last for a time, kind of, uh. Got ingrained in my brain, and that's kind of the way I operate now. Even though you know financially I'm not in the same place as I was, especially because of the RV trip that I just took for a year. Not being able to work isn't the greatest finances, but luckily what? I have another you thing can't called just operate. Yeah, for free. man. <laughs> luckily I have another thing called Plaza, which is my income. So uh, I wasn't it wasn't too terrible. But um anyhow, uh through that time after Pictos, I just started making everything, everything I wanted to exist you know, within within reason. Obviously, there's plenty of things I want to do that would take many, many years. I just started making. And so I've just been building things ever since and just been fortunate enough to make money off that kind of stuff. And uh, that's what I do. And the reason I do it is because I love it. I w- I'd be doing it, if it wasn't for work, I'd be doing it as a hobby, which is what I did, you know, when I started. And, um, and at some point when I make a bunch of money, I will leave the tech world and do what I really want to do, which is make movies. Produce, direct, act. That's what I want to do. Interesting. No wonder you like Southern California. Well, I don't really like LA, but I
0: like San Diego. But I know what you mean. You sort of glossed over this point, but you were selling your furniture. You sold all of your lenses and everything. It like, was a
2: dark time. Yeah, and we're, and well, we're
0: our, first chi- our
2: first child, just been born, my son.
0: You're like crazy positive about it now. But like at the time, did you think, oh, shit, I need to actually get a different job. I need well, to do something else. Like, why? how did you know to keep going? And it obviously worked out. Well, okay, out.
2: so... The, it's a, it's called risk tolerance.
0: And, um, and, oh, we know.
1: And once you... Brian, put, what is your risk tolerance? Uh, Zero. Minus one. That's not true. Come on. It's entirely true.
2: Once you put yourself out there and you take a financial risk and, you know, it, it could go either way. It could go south. It could go good. But once you've done that and gone through that, it's not so bad the next time you're going to do it, right? You, you've upped your risk tolerance, right? You become desensitized to that. And so if you do that for two decades, suddenly your risk of tolerance becomes huge because who cares if I have like zero account balance and my bills are due in like a week? I'll figure out a way to make money. I've done it before. Like, so at this point, that doesn't matter to me, you know, because it's just been so long uh, of doing it this way. And I don't
0: remember your original question. I'm sorry. Was there a point where you thought like, should I need to get a different job? Oh, oh
2: yes. And I always said, okay, If things go crazy south, I can always, you know, go get a job somewhere. At that point, when Pictos came out and everything, um, I wasn't like super well known. I'm not like super well known right now, anyways. But I'm well known enough to the point where if things went crazy south, I could just go
1: get a job somewhere, right? Um, You're relatively internet famous.
2: I don't know how much I am. I mean, there's people that are in our industry that have like hundreds of thousands of people in their in their immediate
1: sphere. So I'm nowhere near that. But twelve thousand followers will get you somewhere. Yeah. But anyhow.
2: Yeah, so I always knew that you know I, I could I could do something else because other than doing this stuff full time for myself, uh, design stuff, I've had one full time job which was working at a print shop for a year, and I was a designer in the post post production dude there, the only one because this is like a small family run kind of deal. Um,
0: so you like being your own boss? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Like I said, if you just put yourself out there over and over and over again, this stuff it becomes easy and it's easy to stay positive because you don't really view it as a negative, right? I don't really, I'm not like afraid because it's Once what, you know, it's what I want it. to do. It's what I want to do. Yeah. It's like, I really don't care if I become so poor that I have to go live in some dingy apartment or something. I don't care. Like, honestly, I don't. <laughs> so there was, there was a point when I started making money, I'm like, oh, I can never leave this. But then who cares? Like money's going to come, money's going to go. That's not even why I'm in it in the first place anyways, obviously. So
1: at the worst you have to go live in like some state park or something yeah
2: right? man i've already <laughs> lived in an rv for a year almost so so let's talk about that yeah what was the impetus for that so um my whole family lives up in washington state and so is my wife's family and, and how long have uh, you been married uh a little over 10 years shit yeah got three kids man um so
0: that accent and that statement just like everything <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I got three kids, I'm a responsible man. father. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Man, what you talking about? Uh, okay, so <laughs> yeah, so what prompted it was we were my wife has really wanted to move back to Washington State ever since we got married. Um but I'm like, there's no way. I can't stand the weather, all that kind of stuff. I'm like, my body is allergic to that area, of the Pacific Northwest, because I grew up there and everything. And I left as soon as I possibly could when I was
1: 17. So, you went to the lowest part of the, like, American coastline yeah, away. Yeah,
2: San Diego. Well, Carlsbad, specifically Oceanside, actually. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> slightly north. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So anyways, I was like, okay, fine. We'll, we'll go up to Washington, you know, because you want to be around the family. It's a great time because the kids are young. They can see the grandparents. So she picks a place. We move up there. And we picked a little place called Kathleen at 500 people right on the um, the Columbia River. And uh, it's the only incorporated city in the entire county. So it's very rural. And it's a super cool place. Super cool town. Um, 100% undiscovered. I doubt anyone listening to this has ever even been there or will be there. But rad place. We were there six months. Uh, it was like winter and everything. And we're kind of like, maybe we should do the RV thing now because we'd always talked about doing it when our kids are older. I'm like, yeah, may as well. I guess like it's before they start school. And now we homeschool them. So that, that doesn't play into it anymore. But we're like, it's before it says they're going to be in school. May as well do it. And that was October. And We're like, yeah, let's do it. And so it was on a, we were, we were driving up to see family and it was on that drive. We're like, yeah, let's do it. I mean, she's not like me. She's not crazy, like risk taker, anything like that. Like she's super organized, you know, totally different. Um, but she was like, yeah, let's do it. So we spent the next, uh, couple months researching RVs and like figuring out what we're going to get. You know, we got a fifth wheel because it's way safer. We have a, we bought a huge truck, got rid of our Honda pilot and then got the RV and, and left in January of the new of 2015. And, uh, and then we just got back at the end of September to Washington state. We're up there for a month and now we're in Sausalito, but we had a lifetime adventure and packed all into like 10 months. It was crazy. It was fun.
0: And you didn't work the whole time.
2: It was super rarely.
1: You built so, Buffalo in the meantime. I did. That was like a six day build. though. So. And you were doing a podcast
2: for a while. Uh, I was doing podcasts podcast before. Mm-hmm. I think I maybe actually launched one episode while on the road, maybe two. Um We did record three, but yeah, but uh yeah, no, it's, it's super hard to have time to work when, you know, you got a two bedroom house, essentially the RV, you have to be whisper quiet, kind of, well, not whisper quiet, you have to be pretty quiet. And my office is in my bedroom where if, you know, my wife's tired and she has to go to bed, I can't be in there obviously working. Um, So it's very difficult to find time. And then, man, dude, it it takes so much time to like tear down and set up the RV every day. And if, and if you think about it, there's 52, there's 52 weeks in a year, 50 States, right? There's was only 48 in, lo- in the lower States, which is what we were doing. We ended up doing all 48, but you think about it, that's like one week per state. That's not very much time, like a day to drive in between, you know, and a day where you're just gonna be setting up another day where you're just gonna be tearing down the whole day and leaving. So it's not really that much time. you got like five full days if you were to like plan it out that way. Um, but if you want to go to multiple places in one state, That's gone. So now suddenly you're like, you're at the territory of like a couple days in each state. And so you imagine leaving and driving for four or five hours every couple days. It's, there's no time to do anything else. It's a full time job, RV. How much of the Midwest did you skip? None. We went to all,
1: you were in them. I mean, you don't go to two (laughs) places in North Dakota. Oh, North Dakota is the worst.
2: Yeah. We we stayed on Rushmore. No, that's, that's a, South Dakota. Shit. Yeah. yeah, never mind. And there's nothing hell. in North Dakota. <laughs> North,
0: <laughs> the best no, part of we North in, Dakota
1: is the Canadian border.
0: We like, went, I guess you can escape. No, man.
2: The Badlands in North Dakota are killer. So the Badlands are all the way on the west side, up like halfway, and Teddy Roosevelt State Park there is awesome. They You drive around, and there's buffalo just everywhere. And actually, North Dakota has the only, remain in the entire world, the only remaining native buffaloes buffalo herds
1: so the but other buffalo are the only people who can stay in north dakota well
2: in other states things, not there's people there's buffalo's other states or bison and i other have st- relatives in north dakota they're the worst <laughs> i'm sorry so you're allowed to talk shit <laughs> but but in other places they come from um buffaloes mm-hmm. that have been bred mm-hmm. and so the the last remaining native herd that's never, that's not like a bred herd that was like moved one place to the other is in is in north dakota did you see that herd I don't know if I saw that exact herd, but maybe I did. But I saw. I herds. saw some buffalo. Yeah. yeah, I saw many herds. There's what, a lot, actually.
0: What was your favorite place? It's impossible.
2: Um, there's like I Top knew. Top five. Uh, also impossible. Top ten. Also not. <laughs> Top 48. 48. Top forty. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think like. Like, I knew America was awesome, right? Uh, Growing up here, being born here. But I didn't realize how awesome it was until I did this trip. Like, it's freaking amazing. If you have an open mind and if you can go somewhere and be like, this every place is cool for its own reason. And obviously, people like where they're from for a reason. And if you can just, like, open your mind that way, like, everything is super cool. Everything's got its own vibe, right? Uh, But I guess, like, the top five, like, different things, Mm -hmm. like, different for me. Great. um, Obviously, the East Coast in general is very different than the West Coast. Um, So, staying... Um, like in Pennsylvania and uh, in like an Amish country it was pretty cool to see all that. And then up in Maine's pretty killer, like upstate New York. Holy crap, dude. Like upstate New York is awesome. And here's why all of the U S is like one giant continuous forest, except once you get from uh, you can even see this on a topographical map, like uh map. So like middle of Texas, all the way up to the middle of Nebraska, if you split them on the East side is all like lush, Jurassic Park Forest, everywhere, one continuous forest. And on the west of that, you start to get into the, the west, you know, like the deserty stuff. But it's insane how it's literally one continuous forest. everywhere. we go, and up in Maine and in um, Vermont and in, uh, in upstate New York, it's a little bit different because everywhere else that it's a continuous forest in the U.S., like the Midwest and even in the South, all the land is owned, right? And it's all farmed. So even though it looks like there's nothing around here, that's someone's property that they're farming. There's crops on it and everything everywhere you go, but up in um, Appalachia, we is that right? Oh, on the East Coast, yeah, yeah. So, well, up in yeah, I guess maybe, but um, I don't really know where those mountains go through in New York. I don't even think they do. But uh, up in upstate New York, they used to all be farmed. I'm sure at one point because there's like really old looking farms on there, but they're not anymore. So they're like just wild land, right? Um, but it's. It's, it's different than the West where all the land is wild and there's nothing on it, like nothing, nothing. And it's cool to see that. But in upstate New York and stuff, um, there are old farmhouses and stuff on there, but there's like nothing there. There's nobody working the land. It's like all back to like, na- like natural growth. Yeah. Maybe kind of, but there are a lot of people out there. It's kind of like going to see like where people used to live. You know what I mean? That, that they currently aren't living. It's kind of cool. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it other than that, but. <laughs>
0: But, that was a pretty good description. But it's good. it's
2: cool to see that. And, but I I do not know how people live like up in the Midwest and up in the North because it's the Even all the way up into uh, Minnesota, you see snowmobile signs on the freeway. I'm like, these people live like like up in upstate. They live 45 minutes from like the nearest like grocery store, and the 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 roads are like super hilly. And it's like, is anyone going to plow out there? Like, how do these people survive?
1: All wheel drive.
2: I did, man, that's <laughs> in- the answer. It's insane. Like. I don't know why you would put yourself
1: through that. But the summers are beautiful. I mean, we were, The great thing is... We, summers are great, yeah. It's kind of amazing how far you can get with all-wheel drive and snow tires. Yeah. Like, you can have so much fun with it, too. Yeah. Snow yeah. drifting? Unless you get outside. Holy <laughs> shit, it's so much fun. <laughs> I, I love, I love cold weather. I love cold weather. Love really? snow. Adore it.
2: So I'm a little bit different. Well, I guess I'm a lot different in that. Um, my ideal scenario is freaking Tahiti or something like that. I just love the warm
1: weather. Yeah. That's range. how you end up living in San Diego. Yeah, yeah. That's why I love it there. <laughs> Carlsbad, actually. Yeah,
2: Carlsbad actually. Um
1: but Ocean Line. <laughs> <laughs> Oceanside. Oceanside, whatever.
2: Yeah. Um so close. But uh what were we saying? Uh oh yeah, so we started in January up in the Pacific Northwest and we just kind of skirted straight through there because we grew up there, seen tons of stuff up there already. Just kind of blazed through California as well, because we've been there forever. And um and so when we got down to the south, it was winter, and so we got to hit that whole thing at its best. We got to hit Florida at its best. We got to hit the East Coast like in the late spring. And by the time we were up in the Northeast, it was summer. And by the time we were coming back across the Midwest, it was late summer, early fall. And so we hit everything like at the perfect time, you know. So it was it was great to see everything. Wisconsin
1: only looks good in the fall. Otherwise, it's all like porn and firework signs.
2: We stayed at a a pretty rad, um, lake there. It was cool to see. It's, it's funny too. Like the accents are super strong, like Wisconsin and then very taken aback by how thick they are in Maine too. It's, mm. it's cool to see. I like the Mainer accent. The Mainer accent? That's what they call Mainers, right? So yeah. Oh, it's
1: the accent. Do the accent.
2: Oh gosh. I can't do that accent. Um, let me try it. What would they even say? Like, uh,
1: Hey, buddy, you like
2: labster
0: like they say Labster instead of lobster. I don't know <laughs> Labster. Let's bring it back uh so now, why are you in Sausalito for six months?
1: Why are you in Sausalito at all?
2: It might be longer, but uh I'm in Sausalito uh because I came to San Francisco to meet a bunch of people like you guys and other people, uh and then also uh, specifically though other people.
0: We. Yeah. Kn- this was the destination. My kitchen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now that
2: it's, I'm four days in. I'm, I'm done. Um, <laughs> no, I, there's. I mean, obviously, a lifetime on the internet. You meet a lot of people on the internet that you never actually meet in real life. And this is this is the holy city. This is the Mecca, uh, where everybody is and everybody comes to at some point. And so this is my point. And um, this is this. That's one of the main reasons. And then also, I want to raise money for my uh, company, Plaso. So. That's why I'm there, and Sausalito, because a super good deal popped up, and I had no idea what Sausalito was until we rolled into town. And
1: then uh, you're like, "Holy shit! It's oh beautiful. my god! is where fairies go to," and that's all we know.
2: Yeah, man, it's amazing because you you can see the city, you mm-hmm. can see the whole city. Mm-hmm. It's crazy, and it's beautiful, and it's safe. And if you if you're listening to this, you've never been to Sausalito, go there. And if you want to eat some good food, go to Napa, go to Napa Burger, so good, and go to Sushi Ron. Sushi that Ronald. place is amazing. Sushi, R-A-N. It is so good. You get your mind blown. You've seen Zero Dreams of Sushi, but that ain't nothing, man.
0: <laughs> Until you've been to Sushi Ron in Sausalito. My God. <laughs> Until you've been to Sausalito, California.
1: Yeah. Let's well, suburb I that shit up. I, that's, that's what I'm all about. I'm all about that kind of,
2: that kind of like lifestyle, I guess. I'm not, I'm not like a huge city person. So
1: You have three kids? Correct. And you homeschool them?
2: Uh, Yeah, my oldest is starting to be homeschooled right now. So he, my wife was a teacher before this, so. um,
1: Interesting. Yeah, so we have. uh, I was homeschooled growing up. You mentioned you were. Yeah, I was homeschooled all my life until ninth grade. And you chose to homeschool your kids after that, which is the opposite of what I hear from most people who are homeschooled. So that's why I was like, interesting. What was the decision there? Was it just because you wanted to travel?
2: Uh, I mean, that, not really. I guess like if you're in a fortunate enough position to be able to work from home, and be around your kids, they're gonna get a way better education, like one-on-one or one-on-two or one-on-three versus one-on-twenty, one-on-forty. And also be able to learn at their own pace, and you know them better than their teacher's gonna know them, so you're gonna know their learning style. It's just set up so much better if you can cater to your kids. I'm not the hugest fan of the belt system, you know, like karate, the belt system in the schools, you know, first grade, second grade, all that kind of stuff. So, um, the
0: belt system, I've you never know, like heard
2: karate, about. man, you got white belt, yellow belt. What about the stripes? You said it with one accent and you said it with another. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, with iPads, there's curriculum on there. There's this great, great, um, platform called abcmouse.com. Um, you, if you have kids, you should check that out. And then also, you, there's like being homeschooled, I'm very aware of different curriculums that are available. And so we use some of that stuff too, but I think education will be very different by the time my kids have kids. And so I don't see any reason why to keep them in the old way of doing things, you know, put them in the new way, you know? So that's what we're doing with our kids. And it's, there's not going to be a belt system necessarily. So, cause he's already passed like a kindergarten thing. He already writes and reads and all that kind of stuff because you just spend a little time with them. They can do that kind of stuff, their kids. So that's why we're homeschooling. them. Okay. For their benefit.
1: Cool. Yeah, I was I was homeschooled, and then I was going to private school, and I was held back because I was too young for that grade, and like jumped ahead when I went back to homeschool, and then was like sixth grade, and I was like two years younger than everyone else. And, like, mm-hmm.
2: yeah, my son is
1: super social. So when we get back, like to Carlsbad, that's we'll, the other argument is like it's not yeah great for socialization exactly. Or,
2: and so we'll put them in like a Montessori or something like that, but it doesn't have to be like a full-time job like most kids. Like I used to be an AM, PM teacher, which in Southern California means before and after school teacher. So I worked at the school district for a little while, like part-time. And so I would go in on the PM and I would be with kids K through six and I'll be their teacher. And really I'm just their babysitter because they arrive, most of them arrive for the AM program. So they arrive at school before 6 AM. Because their parents before drop before six. Like usually, like well, they it starts at six a.m. So they arrive right before six. Oh, and so they their parents drop I don't them off to school again. Their parents Jeez. drop them off, and then they pick them up at six or a little after six. Because after school ends, they go into the PM program, and then they're with us. And I'm like, these kids, like a, they never see their parents, and b, they never do anything outside of school. It's like insane. And you know, some people aren't in a position where. They can do anything else other than that, right? But uh, we're we're not in that position, so I want to take advantage of what the position we're in. But also, like for social skills, um, Montessori will do great. You don't have to be a prof- professional student student to get to know kids. You know what I mean? Because you can hang out outside of school and all that kind of stuff. And for me, growing up, my social interactivity was just through sports. Um, that was it. So, so
0: homeschool and then sports. Talk right. about designing an education system. I do think,
1: however, that one of the best benefits of being homeschooled was the self startership It it tends to encourage you to do your own thing at your own pace and it totally. leads to you doing your own projects. Totally. So do you think that had a big influence on you starting all these different things? Is that the yeah, same think, kind of process all the way through?
2: Yeah. So most of my family, well, okay. I, so out of my, all my brothers, like most of us are entrepreneurs, I guess. Like how many brothers you got? I have six. I have six Holy. brothers. And really? one sister. Yeah. Wow. I'm the second oldest. So um yeah, two of my brothers have a comic business together. The other one used to, but now he's a he's like a teacher at a, a school. Comic Hawaii. like comic strip or comic book? Like comic books. They buy and sell old comics. Sweet. Like what my dad does. And then my other brother works at a gaming company in Santa Monica. But they've all kind of like at one point tried to build their own company or something like that. But
1: I love comic you know, books. I'm obsessed Yeah. That. Yeah, me too. I'm
2: a massive fan. Obviously, I grew up in them. So I think I was saying something about something. Did
0: Which, the the style of teaching? Oh yeah. Policy. So Sorry. so that and then also
2: my dad being an entrepreneur, um, he never like preached anything entrepreneurship related whatsoever. It was just the fact that he was, you know. And as a young age, you didn't see him as an entrepreneur, you just see him as he has his own business, right? I don't know. I guess my personality too plays into it. Um, just wanted to do my own thing. So yeah, a homeschooling was definitely good for it though. in in that regard, as far as like being self-starter, like you said, cause that, that is how it is. It's up to you to kind of finish your stuff.
0: I like how you often write about some of the stuff you, you're making and your most recent app you released was a Mac app. Mm-hmm. And the reason you made it was because you wanted to learn how to make a Mac app essentially. Yeah. Scratch your own itch for. It did pretty well uh, for, for, for being a, <laughs>
1: I I just want to make this thing, right? Like it it got quite a bit of attention.
2: Yeah, yeah, it did, which is cool. That's cool. I mean, it's cool for the fact that maybe some more people learned about what I'm doing. Um, It's just called Whiteboard, right? Yeah, it's called Whiteboard. It's a Mac app. Um, I've been working on another app um, called Filtron for a very long time, for two years almost. And um, the Mac app there is very difficult uh, because I'm doing more developer-y stuff. So I'm working with this project called GPU Image and I'm working with OpenGL, uh, actually a lot. <laughs> and so it's a lot It's a lot more difficult. And it's, it's more than just like UI stuff. And I was like, Mac sucks because it's like iOS. There's so much stuff that Apple made for you for it, right? It's so easy to make iOS apps in comparison. And I'm like, man, Mac sucks. I wish it was just so much easier. I'm like, what if I just did what Apple set up, right? What if I used Apple's interface elements, right? Because Filtron's all custom UI. And what if I just stuck with, you know, what they have to offer and did something super simple? How and easy sketch would move. be? Yeah. And so it was like super easy as it turns out to make something like that. And, um, I still didn't use all of Apple's stuff. I changed the icons and the buttons, like even the share one cause I'm not totally satisfied with theirs. But so anyhow, uh, I, I thought of the idea. Uh, I was like, man, I need to whiteboard. I went in the app store and there's like nothing, literally nothing. There's no like window, like just a window where you can draw in. And, um, there's like one where you can draw on your desktop and there's a couple other things, but there's no just window you can draw on. So it's like, I'll just make one. So then I, I just decided to make one and I just stayed up all night. And, uh, you it surprised me. I had no, t- when I do these things, I have no time on I'm like, maybe it'll take me a week. Who knows? A few nights here and there, but it just went really fast. Built it all in Swift, did all the iTunes connect, made the data, filled all that stuff out, uploaded the app, made the icon for it and coded the whole thing. Um, in under 24 hours and submitted it and it ended up taking like eight or nine days for it to get approved. Um, but yeah, then I just, yeah, launched it. And- How'd you
1: launch it? What was the process
2: there? I uh, I just posted to Twitter, Hey, I just launched whiteboard and then, uh, someone posted it to product hunt and that's all
0: <laughs> the internet did its thing. Yep. So that one was, was built because you wanted to scratch your niche and like learn the, the platform. Is there anything else you're super curious about building now or learning new technologies or anything like that?
2: Um, I think my new adventure that I really, really want to get started on is building a company that's bigger than me because that's what I've always done and I've always bootstrapped. And so now I really want to try something new. And I've always been a big proponent of bootstrapping, and I still am. I wish that the Valley didn't throw money at ideas, And I wish they threw money at like businesses exclusively because for them, it makes sense from a business model perspective, just throw money everywhere and one will hit. But I feel like that also might be somewhat, not necessarily damaging, but maybe damaging to the entrepreneurs they're throwing money at. Because if you've never been able to build something that has legs itself and that makes money all by itself... Like you haven't learned those lessons yet, you know, and they're throwing money at people who maybe just have an idea when they could be throwing money at someone who's got something that has legs, you know what I mean? It's already been through that. So I, I personally wish it was that way. And so I still personally think that people should, before you even think about raising money or taking someone else's money, take risk yourself. See what that's like. It's, it's like incredibly informative to have your life on the line, like your finances on the line. And if you do it multiple times over and over again, it's even more informative. And I feel like if you can learn those lessons first, when you do land on something that has legs, like you will be extraordinarily prepared and you'll do so well that you will make the people that do give you money, you will make them a lot of money.
0: And you feel like you're in that position now because you are raising money for
2: yeah, I, f- I feel like I am because of the fact that Plasso is making money all by its little lonesome. I built the whole thing myself, every line of code and every pixel. Um, and now I'm bringing people onto the team and I want to make the team even bigger. And right now it's it's bigger than me. It's it's I am the bottleneck 100% four times over. So I really want to kick it in high gear. And because of the fact that the way the Valley set up is that this is how things work, I want to take advantage of that. I mean, I could just sit back and continue to grow it, which I will if I can't raise money for some reason. But because I was in the RV for a year, I didn't have a lot of chance to work on it. Um, I just really want to accelerate things like now.
0: Yeah, you move insanely fast. I'm also curious like how you split up your time between design and development and like your work is visually polished and what's your workflow like to get through all that, all of this stuff to ship a product, especially something like in 24 hours. Yeah. So
2: I don't like wireframe or do anything like that. Um, I just go right to high fidelity. um, And then that is my wireframe essentially. Like if I don't like how it looks, or works. Because I'm all about getting to the code as quickly as possible um, and getting it mocked up, like getting the interface working, functional to see like if I click that, is that going to work that way? Should I change things, you know? But typically I we'll design the interface first in Photoshop, at least, you know, one screen or something like that. But like with Whiteboard, um, I did mock up the whole app, even though it was straight up Apple UI. I did mock up the whole thing first because I went through a bunch of different variations of how I should lay out the buttons and how can I reduce the amount of buttons and interactions that need to take place, which is super easy on a one-screen app. But So I do do that, and then I, and then I just try to get to, get to coding as, as quickly as possible, and that's how I build things, I guess, and then from there, if the product does well, I will spend a lot of time in code (laughs) because that's where everything is after design, you know, and I consider everything design. I consider someone who works on the database architecture, that's design. You're designing architecture. Uh, If you're working on the API, you're designing API. If you're working on uh, the actual pixels, you're designing an interface there. So I consider everything in design and everyone is designing something and something they're designing is an experience for their users, whether it be a human or a dog.
0: Do you have a line? Dog interface. Do you have have a line? Frog (laughs) interface. Do you have a line or metric uh, that determines when you kill a project or keep working on it? Because you've launched a lot of stuff.
2: No, I'm not a metric or line person, which I will become, because I have to become uh, (laughs) that if I'm going to raise money successfully. Um, But... No, it's uh, it's more about how the product itself is doing. Um, I, I'm making things because I want them to exist, but I also want to make money on them. So if something's not making any money and there's really not that much traction, I will just basically let it fizzle and shut it down, especially if I'm not passionate about it anymore or something like that.
0: I understand the passion, but uh, if it's making a little bit of money, how do you decide which route to go? Like Invest more time and try to make more money from that? or Do something new.
2: Gotcha. So one of the benefits about doing so many different things is you get to know so many different industries, right? I know the icon industry really well. I know the digital delivery industry really well. I know the CMS industry really well. Like As as you do more things, you get to know these industries really well and you get to know what are their ceilings, like how how much money can you make with this size team or with this many hours put in. Um, And so... Because of that experience, that informs my decisions on how I should move forward. Like, right? So I have this, this app called Namebox, which is where you can you know, sell your domains, but not through the site. You can just do it off-site. It just connects people to get, get domains sold. That I feel I could do really well, but being in the payment space and everything, I know that it can do so much better. It has a way higher ceiling. So I'll choose to do that instead, you know? So I guess just knowing the industries and knowing the financial benefit and how far can this go, because my, my, it depends on what your goal is. My ultimate goal is to run a big company and to run a company that is everywhere. I can't really do that, you know, making a site that sells domains or making a blogging site, like that doesn't, that doesn't
1: happen. So
0: are there anything, any things you've been thinking about a lot lately uh, in terms of design process and development process
1: while you're out there in Sausalito avoiding the bay
0: <laughs> yeah and especially now that you're here and like you see how that like what this world is like here yeah uh, as far as design um, I just had
2: a meeting with someone earlier today oh oh and I was meeting with um, the person that's currently filling the role as like designer I suppose and we were talking about a mobile app that they want to do and one of the first questions they asked after we were talking about like what it the mobile app needs to be is they say, well, what do you feel about, how do you feel about material design? And I was like, well, I feel okay about it, I guess. <laughs> and they're like, well, uh, well, like, what do you, what do you think about it? Like, what do you think about it? Like, I don't know. They're just trying to like, probe me somehow. And I was like, Oh, I, th- I guess it's just, you know, Google's marketing term for their, for their design look and feel. And they're like, yeah, but it's so much more than that, isn't it? You know, it's like a, you know, a philosophy or whatever. And it has rules in place. I'm like,
1: yeah, I guess quantum ink and digital paper.
2: I was like, yeah, I guess I mean, but it's kind of like what every other company does. So like, yeah, but the idea behind material is that it will all look the same on Android, iOS or the web and everywhere it is. So I'm like, well, I'm like, yeah, but every app does that. They just don't call
1: it something. You know, it's really good on the web. Not material design.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Anything. but. And I don't know I think they maybe thought I had no idea what I was talking about. Um, <laughs> They're like, is this guy even a designer? <laughs> exactly. No, I, I honestly think that's how it came across. Which is kind of funny because it's a little bit like drinking the Kool Aid, you know? If you're from the Bay Area, Material Design, which not being from the Bay Area, to me, Material Design is like something that kind of like came and went. But I guess maybe not so. I didn't realize it's such a huge deal. We like. To,
0: we like to, <laughs> Sorry, guys, I didn't
2: keep up with. The we like to insurance. pretend
1: they've given up on it already. In reality, it's not quite so easy.
2: Oh well, I mean, Google itself will probably stick with it forever, but I mean, other people caring about it
0: does that drive you nuts to like come here and and feel like there's this whole like uh, oh it doesn't drive me nuts halo in the in circle of like knowing about all these things and like not that you don't know about them, but that you yeah. just like build cool shit.
2: Yeah, no, it it doesn't bother me at all. I mean, like people are gonna do what they want to do, and if they want to feel like they're on the the end of things, fine. I not that like somehow I'm above that or anything but I'm just not in that I'm not around that I'm not around people who talk about that kind of stuff like so I just honestly doesn't phase me I don't care now you are yeah well I'm at Sausalito but uh, (laughs) I'll always say that (laughs) but um, yeah if you want to think materials design is a big deal or whatever feel free if you want to like for some weird reason throw that into your consideration of how you're going to design your product do that but you shouldn't (laughs) You should take into consideration your actual product.
1: Well, on Android, and, it is the standard now. Like, yeah. But you you design knowing what it is. It's sensible defaults.
2: Totally, but it's if not you're gonna something you should it, aim for. But if you're going to be make an app on iOS and Android and the yeah, web, for instance, totally,
1: you should be unique. Just designing for one platform on another platform is the dumbest thing you could do. Yeah, design for the platform you're working
0: on. Well, it sounds like you're platform agnostic. You're like, here's here's an aesthetic I want to go for for this this particular product that this product needs and then just fill it on onto the screen for whatever platform is that right
2: exactly like your product should exist in people's minds outside of the the platform it's on right so
1: you should follow the rules of the platform right oh
2: 100 percent like like if you're going to build something on ios build it native to ios don't don't build it with web technology um so
1: but do you like avoid nav bars because on web it doesn't have nav bars or something like that? Like
2: I, I think I think you might depending on your product. Um, because uh, if your product is say a remote control for something, you're not necessarily going to need that, right? Um, if your product needs to convey like a very cheerful attitude or something, you're going to want to like make that happen, right? Your your whole goal is not the platform. Your whole goal is the person using the app, and you want to bring them into your world right you want them to experience your product in the way you want them to and so you have to make that the king and design for that and of course you need to follow the rules of the OS but it's also it's also fine to push the boundaries as long as you're not going to confuse you know your users and you're not going to make things hard for them, right? There are things in iOS that could be better, right? That's why they're continually refining their OS, right? So if you stumble upon those sooner than them, what's well, the big deal?
0: I love that's such a good point because so much of what is in iOS now has been informed from third-party developers, like pull to refresh, right? Hey, man, it's
1: all Apple. It all comes out of Johnny Ives' brain. You don't talk <laughs> about it like that. They've got him
0: hooked up to like a matrix chair. Sucking it out,
1: a matrix chair
0: is that what you call it? I guess i mean, I don't know so your self taught design development, like what are your resources? who are the people that you're you're learning from and look up to I don't, or have learned from or have in the past but this sounds like a silly question, but you feel uh, you just seem outside of this whole San Francisco circle. I just like want to know I more am. about. You seem avoidant. Stop holding us away <laughs> yeah, from you. Like, <laughs> I just want to know more about like how you think and like became a better designer over time.
2: Yeah. So originally like my design influences were late nineties, early two thousands stuff. So um, I mean, I'll throw out a bunch of references, but if you were design at the time, you may not recognize it. So like design is kinky surf station, Australian in front. There's like a bunch of these guys, three hundred three or not three hundred three, three. Gosh, the stupid band now messes me up every time.
1: <laughs> it's, it's, stupid band is an accurate name. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Are you uh, starstruck? No. Anyways, there's like a
2: bunch of these cool design communities, and I want to. I use the word community very loosely because there wasn't really a community. But it, back then, before blogging, some designers had the chops to make a little news feed and be able to update it. Most people didn't. And that's how you would read about the industry. Literally anyone who had a website, they're like, whoa, it's them. Whoa. You're like, they're the big people, right? Just like today, if you write blog posts a lot, suddenly you're the person, right? So a lot of my influence comes from that time. And when it comes to like startup stuff and like business, honestly, I don't have any because nobody in my family was like in tech whatsoever. And when I was starting out doing tech, I was in Southern California and I didn't know anybody else in tech. Uh, one of my buddies was a developer and he worked on some stuff with me. And then my, my, C, my current CTO for Plaso, um, I used to fly him in to help me with stuff a long time ago when I was building FireRift. Um, But see, I had to like go way out. I, had to, he, I flew him in from Portland because I didn't know anybody around the area. Um, I one time tried Craigslist, but that did not work
1: out. Uh, you <laughs> never Craig's grow craigslist so uh <laughs> Did you miss connections i mean okay get go. this
2: get this my my idea of success was the word big corporations or the words big corporations like if i'm successful that means i'm doing design for big corporations in quotes right as a small business person that's you think they're just like this entity right and i used do you know what bni is business network international okay so it's <laughs> You do know what it is? No, but it sounds terrible. Oh, yeah. So it's it's a group of people that meet up at a restaurant in the morning to exchange referrals. It's a referral group. So it's like realtors, contractors, uh, loan people, and me. <laughs> <laughs> All just get around the table, eat breakfast, and exchange referrals. And then every time you meet once a week, you stand up and you give your pitch. Stand up, give your pitch about your company. And the idea is that hopefully one of these people will at some point... In their day, know someone who could use your services and giving you a referral. I never once got a referral. I was the, I was a secretary treasurer. I did it for a while, but I was like, okay, obviously this isn't working. I had the largest ad in the yellow pages, right, for design. It was color. Never got a single call until my last week before my year was up. Someone's like, hey, um, are you hiring? <laughs> I'm like, gosh, dang it! And so the yellow pages didn't work out. I remember the yellow page salesman coming to my house wanting me to renew. I was like, I'm not going to renew. Nothing happened. And he kind of was like upset about the fact that I was like, like anything I got from here is not gonna be very big. He's like, he's like, Well, what do you think? You're so good that you're gonna be able to do the website for the chamber of commerce or something. <laughs> like to him, that's like the that's like, man, that's it, man.
0: Chamber of you Commerce. You designed you designed the Chamber of Commerce
2: <laughs> website? Holy so shit. I realized at that time I'm like, man, something is there's there's gotta be something more to this design stuff, right? And I didn't know anything about the Valley, Silicon Valley. I knew Apple was in San Francisco all that kind of stuff, but I didn't know anything about like startups. It's a whole lot, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but I was actually born in the Bay Area. I was born in Fremont, but when I was three, we moved up to the Pacific Northwest. Um, but other than that, I didn't really know what was going on here. And then when I started making my first CMS, it had nothing to do with the internet world whatsoever. It had to do with, I had clients that wanted, you know, to update their site. And I was kind of guy that would rather build stuff myself than use something which is dumb, that's <laughs> like we all
1: fall into. So yeah. I, I can just build this thing. It's yeah. whatever. So I WordPress, I, fuck that. And
2: I decided to sell it. And so that was my first product, animated commercial for it, and yeah. all that kind of jazz yeah. I was firing. And then I made Quixly, which is digital delivery stuff. What does digital delivery mean? So it means like you can sell digital goods like icons, music files, anything that's not physical. And so um, digital delivery means that when someone pays, the system will email them a secure link that's only good for them. And then it expires after they use it, that kind of thing. So it's a secure way to send files to people to sell digital goods. Um, so yeah, I was totally outside of it and not till like around quicksleep Fire of Time um, because at that point I was more involved in the community, like with JavaScript and, and stuff and learning things through there. And of course, when Twitter came out, basically Twitter kind of introduced me to the whole Valley stuff, like I'm sure a lot of people. And so I've always, always been... An outsider, and so my influences have never come from anyone in the valley. I, I would say my biggest influence uh, is something I don't want to become, and that is Steve Jobs. I don't want to be anything like him. And in then, what ways? Uh, in every way, pretty much. <laughs> A few years ago, I started following Richard Branson because I just, you know, catching glimpses of that guy, and I, he's somebody I think is super cool that I'd like to replicate. what, um, what
0: like? What
1: specifically?
2: Um. So Steve Jobs is a micromanager. Richard Branson is a, I don't know what the term Hands is. Hands-off
1: crazy person.
2: Hands-off manager, right? So he his whole philosophy is find people that are super smart and super passionate about the specific thing you're hiring for and let them go. It's more of like a, a people over product. I have a blog post about this a while ago. So putting people over the product, right? So a lot of like, from what I hear, a lot of startups don't really value people and their time. And um, they kind of abuse that all for some product that probably is going to go nowhere. And I feel like that's Steve Jobs, to a T, at least from what you hear about and what you read about in his book and all that kind of stuff. And then there's the opposite, where it's like people are more valuable than the product. And I prefer that approach. So I'd rather do that. I don't know where
1: I was going with that. That's (laughs) something I think about a lot, because the most valuable thing for me since I've gotten here has not been the products i worked on, it's been the people I've met. Mm-hmm. Like that, that seems like it would carry through. Like you can build a bunch of products with a good group of people. Mm-hmm. You can try and try and fail and fail. And I mean, ideally eventually you win, but mm-hmm. man, if if you don't have the right group of people and they don't want to continue working with you, what's the point? Totally. And if you burn bridges just for some stupid, like game app or whatever,
2: but um, that's the other thing too. You come to the Valley and people get brainwashed, you know? I was talking to someone who I thought was still not brainwashed because they're not from brainwashed um, meaning they're obsessed with user traction VC language all that kind of stuff and good at raising funds. Yeah. And they lose sight of in my opinion, they lose sight of what they're in it for and they their sight is 100% on fame and monetary gain, I guess. And if you start out, that's your whole goal. Fine, or whatever. But so, anyways, I was talking to this guy who's not from here, uh, and then he came here, and so I was talking to him about you know something in so I Just wanted to talk about San Francisco in general. And I was like, yeah, I want to ask you because you know you're normal. He's like, what do you mean I'm normal? I'm like, well, you're not from San Francisco. You have like a, a, purpose, a perspective outside of it. He's like, oh, okay. And um, and then <laughs> as I
0: realized, and as I started okay. talking to
2: him. And the things he was saying back to me, I'm like, oh my gosh, this guy is totally brainwashed, cloned into, he's assimilated into the Borg, you know what I mean? And it's definitely not true, but there is a vibe that everyone kind of thinks the same in, in San Francisco, along the same lines of like, here's the path. You must come up with a disruptive idea. You must then court VCs. You must then raise a certain amount of money. If you don't raise a certain amount of money, don't do that idea. It's kind of backwards. Uh, and then you must <laughs> blow all your money trying to get your MVP <laughs> out the door and then raise more money and own nothing. And, and all along the way, you must make all these people work for, you know, I'm not going to say low pay because people in other parts of the world would die to make that much money. But um,
1: it's, Compared to the living yeah. cost, it's a different thing, Yeah, to be clear. But yeah, yeah you're not It wrong. is kind of crazy how you're much... You're not wrong.
2: Yeah, how much you don't make here, um, if you're working at a startup because you're paying so much just in freaking Uber and Lyft fees. Gosh dang
0: it! <laughs> so, oh you just rode your first Lyft.
2: Yeah, today I've I've actually ridden three. Um, That's, from, That's a shot. lot of Sausalito already. money. And I'll be and, well, I get ten free lifts because I just signed <laughs> up, and then I'll ride one back to Sausalito. But. That's a good use of a free lift. <laughs> yeah. You should save them all for free rides, Sausalito. But it's only free after ten dollars.
0: So uh, okay, ten dollars <laughs> discount. Yeah. Take them all at the airport. Take them to Sausalito. <laughs> this is called Napa. It's fine. So how, how this is so dumb because it's you. But how do you? How are you going to stay above all this like nonsense? You're here for yeah. six months. Or are you nervous? Hey, want not like, say above. Let's say outside. Yeah, yeah I don't want to say. Yeah. Ab- I don't want to say
2: above. Um, because you know, some people it works for them. They come into this, you know, this um system and, and they, they're able to work it and all that kind of stuff. But I'll stay outside of it just for the fact that this isn't my first rodeo. This is my first time building. It sounds like it's not
1: your first rodeo. <laughs>
2: <laughs> rodeo. <laughs> this is my first time building something or starting a company or anything like that. And so because I've done it multiple times before, I do want to do it differently this time. Um, however. I've been in the industry for a while, and I don't think this one trip will change me. But I will, hey, Drew Wilson has always been a proponent of bootstrapping, and I still will be,
0: right? I always, always be a proponent of referring to yourself in the third person? No, but I was, sorry. <laughs> what about... But Drew Wilson accents? is about
2: to change people. Drew Wilson.
1: He is going to raise some money. You sound like a, like a charismatic
2: preacher. Yeah, that's what I'm going for, Gangson. So I am going to be doing th- things differently because I've done things one way so long. I'm I'm all about change in my personal life and in my professional life and learning new things and doing new things. So I view it as I have a very small lifespan, and I want to do as many things as possible and experience as many things as possible. So it's time to to do something different and try to you know take advantage of the industry I'm in and take advantage of what's
1: there for me. That brings us right to the end, ironically. We're out of time, and Check that's actually
0: that even a better way to end it than I was going to end
1: it. All right motivational and shit. Yeah. So get out
2: there, build stuff, grind your knuckles down to the bone, Well, it'll all work out for you. I
1: was going to ask you if you want to plug anything, but you just plugged the shit out of motivation. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Let's plug motivation. Anything no, you want
1: to plug? I'd like to plug Filtron.
2: Uh, go to Filtron.co. It's going to come out very soon. I'm pretty much done with it. Just now that I'm done with the RV trip, I'll be have time to launch it. Sign up for the waiting list if you want. Otherwise, just follow me on Twitter. And then also go to plaso.co. Or com because I bought that thing um, <laughs> and sign up for that and start selling stuff.
1: Dot co maybe add an m.
2: The dot shorter, you know. So and who cares? It's all links anyway. So no one's going to type that crap in. If they do, type in dot com or just boys dot co. Oh man, sweet. we passed that <laughs> TLD crap. Top-level domains? I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know that we are past it. Okay. But I mean, you don't need to remember because you, everything you get is from Facebook or Twitter. It's all linked. You've got
1: the Google machine as you well. You've got to buy everything with .horse domain. That's a thing. That's <laughs> yeah. not a joke. It's a
2: like, thing. Yeah.
0: Oh, everything's a thing now. There's so many,
2: so many.
1: Do you have plaza.horse? I don't.
2: I do have narwhals.cool. What's a narwhal? Uh, a narwhal, because there's this term unicorn in the industry, unicorn is someone who can design and code. So you're, okay. A, a narwhal is someone who can do that and more. And, and the more swim. Part, The more part do is... Do that and swim. Yeah. The more part, that would be good for a horse. Well, horses can kind of swim. Uh, the, the,
1: the more part... They can part, Ford. Okay. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I learned that from Oregon Trail. They can Ford, max. Yeah. <laughs> um,
2: they uh what's that? Oh okay, yeah, so you design, code, and also run your own business. The narwhal.
1: That's the narwhal. Because they're they're real. Why not like a pegacorn? <laughs> a pegacorn. <laughs> <laughs> that would be good. All right. Even better. Rebrand everything. All right. Pegacorns. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate hey, it. Thanks for having me. Thanks. It was fun.
2: And thanks for giving me your chips.
1: That was episode 77. Drew's a
0: fantastic guest, and we're stoked the settled in the Bay Area. It was a good time. If you want to hang out with us, we are in New York tonight, tomorrow, and we're doing a live event Friday, November 13th. Follow us on Twitter for details. We're at Design Details FM. We'd love to meet up. Of course, if you enjoyed the show, tweet it, leave us a review on iTunes, or join our Slack team at spec.fm slash Slack. There's over 2,000 people in there now, which is pretty insane.
1: We also have tons of other shows on the Spec Network, including things like vicarious where we talk about pop culture through the lens of design we have immutable where you can get q a on the things that you actually need help with you can go listen to does not compute which is two design or two developers talking about the things that matter most to developers on a day-to-day basis and we've got developer Tea, which is like og spec and it is 10 to 15 minutes of quickly consumable developer insight uh inspiration Things that will help you get through your day better. So go check them out, spec.fm. We don't suck. So go check us out at spec.fm. And hopefully you find something that suits you. Before we go, we want to thank our two sponsors. As always, Dropbox is here. They're always in the background of our lives. No, they're in the background of your podcast. And they are fantastic. You can work it the way you want on any file, with any device, from wherever you are, with anyone you choose in the entire world and then some. So you can design cool stuff with Whoever you want, however you want. That's the best, most empowering thing you could possibly have. Go get started at Dropbox.com. Thank you once again to Dropbox for sponsoring the show.
0: Our second sponsor is OneMonth. They are the first ever online school specifically for tech entrepreneurs. If you want to learn how to build real products like Instagram or Pinterest using real tools like Swift, HTML and CSS, Ruby on Rails, Python, jQuery, or any other actual programming language, go to OneMonth.com slash design details to start learning. That link will get you 25% off your first month. Huge thank you once again to One Month for making this episode possible. See you on Monday.